Hey caffeinators, welcome to the Vet Tech Cafe. The Vet Tech Cafe is a podcast centered around veterinary technicians and nurses, hosted by myself, Dave Cowan, and my good friend, Jeff Backus. We strive to discuss current issues facing our profession and give our colleagues a voice and a medium to enter into these discussions. Our guests are experts in the veterinary field that we hope can help our listeners work towards dealing with these issues, as well as coming up with solutions that can lead to change. If you have a question, comment, or would like to be a guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, please contact us at vettechcafe at gmail.com, or you can find us at our website, vettechcafe.com. One thing we would ask of you, our listeners, is to rate and review us on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. We're not exactly sure how or why this helps us, but apparently it does. So without further ado, come on in, grab yourself a cup of coffee, and get ready for another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe. Hello, caffeinators, and welcome back to another episode of the Vet Tech Cafe, where we always have a supply of sharpened bandage scissors for you. <laughs> We'd like to thank all of our caffeinators for your continued support and repping our merchandise. Dave has been working really hard behind the scenes and, and kind of got us more or less switched over, I guess you could say, Dave, to Printify now, and we've got yeah. some new stuff up there. Um, a lot of people were asking for Vet Tech Tap Room pint glasses, so we have those up there now. I just unboxed a couple of them today myself that I ordered. I'm going to put a couple posts or a couple pictures on social media. Um, they're super cool. And um, so stop by there, check it out. We really appreciate the help there. And did want to give a shout out and say hello to Nikki Castagna, who was a uh, previous guest on the Vet Tech Cafe, and she's our newest Patreon. So thank you so much for your support, Nikki. We really, really, really appreciate it. Again, caffeinators, just thank you very much for continuing to download our episodes and, and like our episodes and, and who we're talking to. We're getting a lot of really great ideas from all of our guests about things to talk about that Dave, you and I wouldn't ever really think of. And I think today's episode is another one of those, which is yeah. super cool. Um, if this is your first time mm -hmm. checking out mm -hmm. the Vet Tech, Cape, Vet Tech Cafe podcast, excuse me, welcome. Um, go to vettechcafe.com for all of our uh, channels, uh, previous episodes, a little bit about us, all of those kinds of things. Dave, what's new? What's going on out there? What's on your mind? Oh, no. Well, yeah, uh, yeah I got the COVID, yeah. so there's that. Um so that was uh, last week, um, lasted for a couple of days with symptoms of, you know, fever and headaches and not sleeping and all that stuff. But after a couple of days, I was essentially back to normal, uh, still testing positive as of a couple of days ago. But I essentially took two weeks off because, <laughs> I yeah. like, well, I guess I can't be going into these clinics because, you know, as, as I do relief, yep. I, I can't really be bringing that into to other clinics um and you know i i said the last few months mm -hmm. i've been really busy and i wanted to take some time off in july and have a, a slower month this is not the way that i wanted to do it um but here we are so we're yeah <laughs> I'm, I'm taking some time off and doing some recordings with with you and, and our guests and uh you know finally got some yard work done that I, that was much needed and uh prepping to go oh yeah go to avma yeah at the end yeah. of next week so so that'll be fun um yeah. hopefully i'm showing yeah. up negative by That'd then be a long time i would yeah. think after yeah. 14 days i should be it should be negative um but i mean guys i'm i'm double vax i'm i'm vaccinated i got the booster i'm still yep. still somehow snuck in and i i know a lot of our 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 colleagues that mm -hmm. i'm seeing on facebook um some other people in in, in my company and in the area are yeah. also coming down with it even though they're vaccinated so uh, protect yourself out there. Be careful. Um, 
fortunately this this strain of of the of the virus is highly contagious but not yes. as severe i guess um i guess there's not as much risk of people having to go and be on ventilators yeah. and in the hospital and that stuff it's just i don't want to say it's an in a more of an inconvenience but really that's kind yeah. of what it boiled down to for me yeah is it's yeah for sure very for inconvenient sure. <laughs> at this point um but you know i'm feeling better i'm essentially going back to work next week again so gotcha um things things are okay here how are you guys doing? I know you guys just got yes, back yes, from so New England. vacation, so how, and how I, I just want to say real quick before I get into that, um, Caffeinators, Dave said he's going to be at AVMA. He'll have some stuff, uh, some stickers, some buttons, some flags. Oh, yeah, so yeah. If, uh, if you run into him, definitely ask for some swag. Um, yeah, New England was great. We actually flew into Jersey, visited uh, one of um He's one of Molly's classmates, but he and I became good friends. We stayed with him and his wife. Actually, um, I officiated their wedding right after IVEX last year. Um, and so we stayed oh, with them cool. for the weekend and then went up to New yeah. England for a week and uh, had fantastic time seeing old friends. Um, yesterday's travel day was a little bit rough. Uh, we had like six hours of delays coming home because of bad weather in New <laughs> York City. But my now 11-week-old daughter, which is kind of crazy to say, was a fantastic traveler. Um, she didn't make a peep. She slept the last eight hours of the trip, never even woke up on the flight home. Um, so that was a huge relief because it could have been very, very bad with all the delays. And we finally got home at three o'clock in the morning here on the Pacific coast. And here we are, but, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's going well. It's great to be back. Great to be home back <laughs> in the cafe. Caffeinators, I'm going to warn you, recording this episode, there's a lot of construction at the Vet Tech Cafe today, so you might hear some weird sounds. The air conditioning's broke today, so um, hopefully it's not too bad. <laughs> but anyway, um, yes, iced coffee's all around. Ice coffee's speaking all around. of that, I say we just go ahead and launch off with our next next guest. Yeah, this is going to be a really cool episode, Let's guys. I think going. you're going to yeah. love this one. So today we have uh, Heather Carter coming by the Vet Tech Cafe. Changing the face of veterinary medicine is Heather's goal, which just in and of itself sounds amazing, and I can't wait to hear more about this. But she works with a strong team of thought leaders who are dedicated to revolutionizing the team experience. She has 15 years of experience in the veterinary industry on both the medical and leadership side. She's a veterinary technician specialist in anesthesia and analgesia and has earned a master's degree in industrial and organization psychology from George Mason University. And her focus is on fighting turnover and preserving the veterinary teams. And that's what we're going to talk about today. I'm super excited. So, Heather, thank you so much for taking some time out to yeah. come by the Vet Tech Cafe. Yes, what can we get you for a cup of coffee? Um, I'm a Starbucks purist. So um, my go-to right now is a shaken ice espresso with toasted vanilla and oat milk venti, please. Oh, yes. Oh, toasted vanilla. We'll have to oh, uh, wow. make sure we get that on the menu. C yeah. Yes. Yes. Sounds fancy. Um, and then I'll have my reusable straw in the top as well. Oh, perfect. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. Awesome. Yeah. I, I have to admit, having the last 10 days in New England, I got Dunkin' Donuts every day. Yeah, and I was that's, so excited yeah. about it. It's inescapable, I, right? It's on every corner. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. Yeah. We, we had to take advantage of that. So if you don't mind, Heather, take us through your career path, kind of what got you into veterinary medicine, some of the stuff you've done along the way, what you're doing now, and then we'll jump off from there. Fantastic. Um, thank you so much for having me. So I think I, the origins of my veterinary experience, or like why I started this is the same as most people were like, you probably, I grew up thinking I wanted to be a vet. And then I realized as I started working in like kennels and um, my first vet hospital is like an assistant that I didn't see a lot of happy veterinarians. So I went to tech school in Colorado 
And then I moved to Virginia afterwards and I started work in a surgical practice. And I noticed that I somehow had the foresight back then to know that like maybe I should specialize in something that that was where that's where I could make myself marketable, but also like maybe be more sustainable in the profession. My very good friend, Jenny, was the first one who worked on a VTS and anesthesia. And I was fascinated by the that process and like what it meant and what you could do with it. So I also I did the same thing and I got a VTS and anesthesia and I have to recertify this year again. And it's, I've had it for 15 years, which is insane that I've had it wow. for that long. Yeah. Wow. Congrats. Wow. Thank you. That's awesome. Congratulations. Um, uh, so as I did that, I was like thinking that that could be the apex of what I needed or what the teams around me needed to be kind of comfortable, but also like satisfied in what they were doing. And in there, I noticed like there's just so much there's turnover and the the long days were just kind of catching up to everybody and I was like there's got to be something else to kind of help fix or what other systems do we need to have in place so that's where I same friend Jenny I was like if in five years I'm still talking about this like something went wrong I need to just like what I need to do something different so that's where I went back to school for a master's in industrial and organization organizational psychology and so now I work as a um, I'm the vice president of people and culture for Partner Veterinary. We're a veterinary startup and we're a women-founded and women-owned veterinary group. It's pretty cool. And our first project is an urgent care in Richmond, Virginia. Oh, wow. Fantastic. What does that involve? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> more than I've ever thought was possible. So with the first, the first iteration of the plan was to open two, and it's still happening, we're opening two specialty practices. One is in Frederick, Maryland. The other is in Rich, uh, also in Richmond, Virginia. And the plan is to open those later this year, beginning of next year. And our two chiefs of medicine and our friends who are a surgery group named James River, James River Veterinary Surgery, they were doing, they were mobile. And then our two chiefs of medicine were doing locum work and they're just, everybody's traveling and they're tired still like, you know, and the, I guess the most recent sort of end of COVID quote unquote end. Um, So we're like, let's open an urgent care and get them off the road. So we get them off the road. My boss finds a um, empty hospital in November. And by end of March, beginning of April, we were open to run a urgent care. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And just as an example of what like supply chains are like right now, in February, end of January, we ordered runs for the urgent care and they arrived uh, 10 days ago. Wow. 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 Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, so crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. But it's really, it was amazing to be able to do that because now um, I had no previous experience in what startup life was like or what putting together an animal hospital is like because I think we think we know how to do that. Like I've worked, you know, I've worked in all kinds of environments. I've worked in a university setting. I've done field medicine. I've done, so you think like between all of those experiences and knowledge that should come together and I was woefully wrong about that. Yeah. <laughs> Funny how that works. Funny how that actually works out. But it was great to have that as an opportunity to like now I now I know what I don't know. Where before I didn't know what I didn't know. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know, you mentioned in there uh, getting your VTS and I think you used the word like sustainability, like that was how, you know, you could sustain yeah. yourself long term in this field. So I'm curious, were you already seeing then, you know, kind of that 
turnover, that shelf life. I know that's what we're going to talk a lot about in this episode, but because you kind of said that that may be what will help keep you in the field. Were you already seeing that and kind of clued into that back then? Yeah, strangely, I don't think I had the vocabulary for turnover or burnout. I know that those words get thrown around and I don't want to like, those are things that um, I don't know if they're overused, but like, anyway, those are the kind of token words that go to that. I think I knew that there were, there was a need to be a licensed person and to kind of have the impact that I wanted to have, I th- I knew that I needed to be specialized and that was a way to have like, yeah, I think I was thinking of like, I can hopefully go work anywhere. So, um, gotcha. yeah, I think I could see that you could maybe reach a point with, if you were, um, a licensed, te- whatever, like it kind of opened up another door of opportunity is what I was able to appreciate. Gotcha. Gotcha. So we are, <laughs> this question, I, I, I think I already know the answer to is where do you <laughs> see the veterinary technician profession right now? And uh, obviously we know what we're going to talk about today and what we need to fix. Um, but is, is there anything, you know, before we dive off into burn out, burnout and turnover, I almost said burnover and turnout. Yeah. I like, let's, let's maybe like, I like that hybridization of those. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but, but are there, are there other things that we really need to work on? That's a really good question. I think like where I see the profession right now is just like in need. I think that we have a need for support. We have a need for advocacy. We have a need for access to care to, we need an access to um, healthy work environments that's where I feel like we have a need. I think it's a leadership thing. I think we need to work on leadership. Yeah, I would agree with that. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So let's talk uh, organization, or excuse me, industrial and organiza- organizational psychology, excuse me. So what is that? And I guess really we, we think about, you know, we talk often about mental health and we've talked to therapists and we talk about that a lot. So how how is that like a specific facet of either traditional psychology or psychology in general? I think um, all I want to do is talk at length about IO psychology. So. <laughs> <laughs> yes. um, actually, it was my sister's idea because as I was sort of having those moments of like, there's got to be something. There's these the problems I'm having are not unique to me. My friends in mm-hmm. California are having the problem. Like it's all the same, and not to diminish anyone's experience, but it's just like how is this so commonplace? And nobody knows how to fix it. And my sister just in passing was like, you should go back to school for IO psychology. And I'm like, what is that? So anyway, like it was, I tell her it was her idea. So IO psychology is the study of human behavior, but just in the workplace. Okay. And I think that it should be required coursework for anyone in a leadership role. And it's actually perfect for vet med because we use data and evidence to support organizational change or why we should or shouldn't do something. So it's really like, so we use the scientific practitioner model. So there's not like a, it's not like a, I just feel like we should have this in place. Like, no, I actually like, I can have statistics that prove or disprove why this is working or why that isn't working. And then with IO psychology, we can make quantitative data out of qualitative measures. So I can quantify job satisfaction. I can quantify the intention to turn over and then I can say, this is what, where our teams are right now. <clears throat> this is how they responded to this intervention and what we might need to fix it. Like and it, something I'm excited to do as we get ready to open these two new hospitals, I want to do a longitudinal study where I'm going to survey all of these new employees, new team members, and gauge their level of burnout, turnout, 
what did we say it was? Burnover. I'm an engagement burnover. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then I'm going to survey them in three months, six months, or nine months and see how just the philosophies that we have at Partner, the way we practice, how, how we take care of our teams. So I can statistically see how they've improved or what if the impact, good or bad, of those interventions are on the individual. And then I want to publish that. Hmm. Fantastic. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. Thank you. What, what would you like... I mean, I guess it's probably like a survey, like questions yeah. you would ask and, mm-hmm. and then you just kind of compare their answers totally. pretty much. Yeah, and, that's literally, that's wow. the, the succinct definition of IR psychology is surveys. <laughs> yes. Gotcha. Okay. <laughs> Love it. And then I, I guess based on your 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 philosophies and, and your, uh, I'm assuming that you're going to have these organizational practices that are going to try to prevent burnout and turnover. So, but how are you going to try to prevent that in, in the practices that you're going to be, be having, having these surveys. What, so what influences am I going to put in place to kind of help that? Okay. Um, so within the surveys, we definitely, we make sure that like the, the questions are, have been statistically proven to be successful in, like in showing why, if someone's going to turn over. So they're not like a, it's a lot of work in figuring out what the questions should be. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of work in human medicine actually on turnover. So I would like, I'd pull from that. There's a lot of doctors that, or there's a few key IO psychologists who work specifically in human medicine that study it. So I would use that as like my backbone or framework of how to approach this. And some of the things that I think are not even novel, but like that we don't really consider is um, one thing is a stay interview. So instead of an exit interview, doing a stay interview of like, what makes you stay here is basically the core of it. So what do you like most about your job? And can we craft jobs to highlight more of that stuff? So that's just an example of something I would do in there to like, yeah, if I take, if you're like, I hate answering the phone at 5 PM because it's always this type of call. But other than that, I'm totally satisfied. So like, if I can do something where like, this is now off your plate. How are you feeling in your job? Uh, has there ever been in, in in any of your research when you're asking, you know, your teams about turnover or or what may lead them to that? Is there like an answer or response that like, has been very surprising to you that you like, man, I would I never would have thought that would have been a reason somebody might leave. That's a really good question. And as we so the research I did that is the result of what I was able to publish for today's veterinary nurse. I, we found out that servant leadership is actually a really interesting thing that causes turnover. And my research partner who did this with me, she and I said, like, we were like, for future research, there should be some studied, we should study the role of servant leaders specific to turnover or specific in vet med and turnover, because we noticed like a little anecdotally. And then as we kind of dug deeper that the traditional person in a leadership role in vet med. And this, by this, I mean like the team lead, maybe your hospital administrator, not your, like the big, big boss, right? But like your maybe go-to, your technician supervisor, those individuals, that their default way of um, leading their teams was through servant leadership. And that's a very common form of leadership. I used to practice it until I was like, oh, this is a lot. It's really hard. And that is a, I'll do that for you. We uh, don't have anybody to cover this weekend's on call. And if I ask this team member, they're going to break down. I don't want to lose them. I'll do that. Or I'll do, I'll pick up this because you guys need to leave. So it's like you're putting yourself before your team. And there's a lot of benefits to it. But 
I think specifically it's, this is just my personal opinion of it. I think it's really hard on the individual because you're doing a lot yeah. of emotional labor by taking care of your team. And then because you took a lot of that off their plate, then you're doing a lot of physical labor. And the two of those things together are really hard on an individual. So that was really the like elucidating the scope of how servant leadership is can be detrimental to teams was very surprising. Hmm. Not like when you're like, oh, wow, like it made sense immediately. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To kind of put some sort of like statistics and some more language around just how hard that is on individuals and teams. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about your article on today's veterinary nurse. Uh, it was called cool. Turnover, Identifying Causes and Solutions. Uh, and that was just recently published, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Not too long ago. Uh -huh. um, so what inspired you to do to to write that? What inspired you to to research that and write it? So my part of my final project at George Mason was to do we had to do actual research. And by that, I mean, we had to take those the questions that we asked individuals come from the same the process of like researching the appropriate questions. Do these statistics oh, have these been used enough that I can statistically predict that this will help me understand the scope of this problem? So my research partner luckily was up for doing studying vet med because there were so many facets that we could drill into of what was causing turnover. And so we did finish that research. It was very fascinating. I think we had we had four or five hypotheses that we explored and realized that there was just so much more opportunity to like understand, yeah, the role of servant leadership in turnover specific to leaders. And so then after that, the, one of the most, the last assignment was to write a white paper. So we write their white paper and then I got to present at VMX last year. Oh, cool. And I walked by the today's veterinary nurse uh, tent and I was like, hi, I'm Heather. What do I have to do to publish an article for you guys? <laughs> so I like pitched it to, I didn't realize, but I pitched it to the editor. And then over the course of just like emailing over like a few months, et cetera, then I sent it to him and he was like, yeah, actually let's do this. But I made it a little more palatable, a little more like, I think readable because I think I default to being a little more academic in my writing. Mm -hmm. And anyway, so that's where that came from. So then it was like kind of remodeled to be more, yeah. So like the average veterinary professional could read it and actually take something from it. Awesome. Gotcha. And, and, and what came out of that? Well, this came out of it. I got to talk to you guys. <laughs> um, I, um, I mean, I obviously actually, the icing on the cake. Obviously <laughs> peak, everything's downhill from here. Um, no, this is really cool. The fact that like the, I think it's a topic that we, yeah, we all have the same experience with it, but there's, I think you kind of like, now what do I do with it? So it's opened up a lot of opportunity for more conversation. I've had a few friends tell me that, few friends in like really different places that they were able to take this article to their leadership and do something actually tangible with it. My friend who owns an urgent care in Alexandria, Emma Vet, she immediately was like, I called my, their person who was in charge of that stuff and was like, we need to talk about this. Let's schedule a meeting and like immediately put stuff in place. So it's just like the there's more people having the conversation. So that's a that's really fantastic that that's happening. That's great. Absolutely. I was going to ask if you knew of any, you know, especially this day and age in 2022 of large corporations in veterinary medicine with one would think a, a lot of resources available. Were, was there is there anybody else around that you know that uses this philosophy in in their workplaces or, or at least, you know, has discussions about it or what have you. It sounds like you maybe know of a couple clinics. 
Yeah, the once you're right. There is definitely like there's so much more. There's yeah, like people that have national connections. I don't know off the top of my head. Not to say that doesn't exist. Sure. I know that IO psychology is so, it seems so novel. Like when I mention it, when I explain what it is, everyone's like, what is that? So I think that there's a lot of room for bigger conversations in those bigger places. But even if it starts small and those people like forward the article or look up something, right? Like those tiny things could have big impact. And has that article or, or, the information you gleaned from it or, or what, you know, what you were able to get out of it, has that spurred anything else specific you want to investigate or look into, you know, kind of as a next step? It has absolutely made me, it's a really great reminder of the things that need to be in place for when we open these two bigger hospitals. So mm. my job as people and culture is really defined as like, are the people okay? And is the culture supporting the people and the people supporting the culture. And so those, that's a really like the reciprocity in that relationship, right? It's pretty straightforward. So this is a really great reminder of like those things that are not difficult, but when you have a big organization, a 24 hour ER, and you just want to start making some little change, like that's hard. But if you start from the ground up of like, this is who we are fundamentally, these are the things we do and this stuff we don't do. Then I think that is so much easier to grow and that becomes norm right instead of like i'm trying to promote this kind of change right so anyway, yeah it's definitely like a a wonderful reminder of how i need to stay true to this as i we keep building practices yeah, for sure for sure um our our next episode uh we have already recorded i don't want to give too much away but she talks about one of the hospitals she works for um, she does a lot of relief work and she said she works at this hospital because when she first talked to them, they wanted to talk about the culture yeah. of the practice. And she said they didn't even get into medicine and what they do or drugs right. that they have available or what have you for an hour. You know, yeah. they talked about the culture and, and, you know, what it looks like to work in their hospital, which which she said was really interesting and, and hadn't seen that before. I love that. That's so funny. Right before I met with you guys, I onboarded a new vet assistant in Richmond virtually and yeah, we, so we have a PowerPoint that we go through of like, this is who we, it's our mission, our why, and how we got here, why we're doing this, and how the the things that we're trying to fix are so interconnected. And the word we always used was access. Like, and I mentioned that earlier, that we wanted teams to have access to quality leadership. We wanted clients to have access to quality care, et cetera. And so, yeah, the, my meeting with her for 90 minutes is to talk about that stuff and like our core values, how we act in service of our core values. And it's been really interesting to ask people about that of like, what were the core values in your previous hospital? And they're like, I have no idea like, what no one knows what those were. So, yeah, it's like, yeah, that's wonderful to hear that other people are doing that too, just taking time to spend, take the energy to like discuss culture, because I bet that really resonated with her. And she's like, I'll work. Yeah. I'll continue to work here. And I, I yeah, feel like yeah. that that's that's something that I, I think is slowly creeping its way into our industry is that focusing on the culture, focusing on taking care of employees, which, I mean, again, multifaceted problem that needs mm-hmm. multifaceted right. solutions and, and just yes. focusing on it. I, I think that, you know, as, as somebody outside looking in, just to know that a hospital is, is thinking about that and trying to address it may not be a home run every single time, but at least aware of the problem and trying to address it, I I think is going to 
help retain your employees and help retain people in this profession. Right. Because, I mean, that's one of the things we want. We want to be taken care of and we want to know that, that yes. we have value. And yeah, right. If we're just another warm body. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You feel really yeah, even has... yeah, anonymous. Yeah. And yeah, it doesn't. Yeah. You don't need to. It doesn't matter if I'm here or not here. Yeah. I know exactly yeah, that they even, you know, that that hospital even has a set of core values. Yeah. You know, a, a lot of has been made the last year or two or so about the, the corporation veg. And I had the opportunity while I was in New England to tour the new Shrewsbury location because a friend of mine I worked at, with at Tufts uh, is, is now an employee there. And their core values are painted on the wall mm -hmm. in their treatment room. And so all of the, the clients that are back there with their animals, yeah. all of the employees that are working, I mean as you enter and leave their large treatment area, it's painted on the wall. Yeah. You, you know, every, everybody is constantly reminded of those things, which is Huge. again, yes. know, yeah, just very unique. Yes. Ours are all over our, our biz, our, uh, like all over the walls. And to take it one further, my boss has it tattooed on her. Wow. Arm. Okay. All right. Oh, wow. I know. It's so cool. So uh, one, of wow. our, one of our core values is fearlessness because as we're starting to put, do this, we, it was interesting to hear how many people told us we couldn't do it. You can't build that. You can't fix it. You're never going to change anything. So fearlessness was, or fearless was our, one of them. So she's fearless tattooed on her arm here. And then the icon for it is tattooed on her forearm. Wow. So like, yeah, it's just a wonderful wow. reminder. Yeah. Of how yeah, dedicated. About, wow. about it. Yes, exactly. Awesome. Love it. All right. Love before it. we, uh, before we get into too much more, why don't we take a little quick break here and we'll, we'll pay some bills okay. and uh, we'll, we'll be back after the break. The Vet Tech Cafe is sponsored by BetterHelp. BetterHelp Online Therapy will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist, and you can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line, and it's not self-help. It's professional therapy done securely online that's more affordable than traditional in-person therapy, and financial aid is available. Caffeinators receive 10% off the first month using BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, to join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your therapist, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. Don't take our word for it. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily at betterhelp.com reviews. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash reviews. If you want to take charge of your mental health, visit BetterHelp.com slash VetTechCafe and get started today and get 10% off your first month. Be well, caffeinators. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Vet Tech Cafe, where we don't make your coffee, we make your day. So, <laughs> so Heather... <laughs> Uh, we just had our ad for better help in thinking about mental health issues. We we tend to focus on that quite a bit here. Um, how do you manage your mental health? Oh, what a good question. I have, I know what my I, needs are. Like I know what I have a support system in the form of friends, coworker, a few coworkers, and I know how to articulate what I need. Um, and I know how I define self-care. I think that's a really interesting thing. Like we talk about it, but like, how do you actually define it? And depending on, and I've got a few definitions, but sometimes it's like to watch an entire season of Bridgerton in one day is how I define. So second straight episode with a with a Bridgerton <laughs> reference. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. So 
thinking about turnover and and what you've kind of talked about a little bit already and, and what you've seen in your research or what you're seeing with your teams, what are some like tangible things that veterinary hospitals, managers, leadership can do to help prevent turnover? Fantastic question. So I think people might think that this is such a huge thing. There's no way we can tackle it and there's no interrupting it. Yeah. yeah. So we never get started. (laughs) Yeah. So like, I'm just scared of it. It's too big and let's just kind of run away from it. And, or they're so busy that there's just like the bandwidth to be able to like, let's actually talk about it. It's hard. So I do think about that, the leader who's kind of pulled in a lot of directions, who really has like the best intent for their team, but they don't have the bandwidth. They don't have the support. Right. So I think it's like what all multifaceted, but I think the solutions that are really that statistically show that you can have prevent turnover cost zero money, which is fascinating. So some of the things, so I mentioned state interviews as a thing that helps people stay in their jobs. But another thing is just the concept of resources is actually really fascinating in this. And one of the causes of turnover is a lack of resources. And so in IO psychology, there's an entire theory called the conservation of resources and resources are tangible or intangible. So things that could kind of get you to want to leave your job are tangible resources, like the HESCA pump that doesn't work if it's not plugged in. <laughs> so a HESCA pump. But the t- I need it over here where the cord doesn't. <laughs> yeah. So HESCA, yeah. Uh, shout out to HESCA. <laughs> so the, like, you need, then you have to go get the extension cord and then, you know what I mean? And then the catheter isn't working and you're like, I don't, you know, that's where you lose your bandwidth. So that there's that resource. But interestingly, just validation or recognition or appreciation from your peers or your leadership is also a resource. So people, what happens when people start to have a hard time, they start to conserve those resources. So my, that might be like, I'm going to, I'm going to start being late because I can't, get the energy to show up, or I need to spend time with my children and I'm just going to have to cut my hours back, something like that. But ways that you can promote that is maybe the doctor, while you, that doctor is going over an update to a client, takes the time to like explain to the client what a nurse did that was really fantastic. So it brings this like light and spotlight into an individual that maybe otherwise is just like cleaning a cage flushing a catheter, doing blood work, whatever. And so it just like really highlights this person's what they've done. And so like you kind of feel seen, you seem validated, but that's one thing of like, this can just sort of, yeah, put the direction and attention onto somebody else. And that's where it's a shift in culture where it's maybe uncomfortable or you don't really, that's not what we talk about here, but that's a huge thing that can have big impacts in your hospital. And I think also to get through some of these things, we, we have to do things that are uncomfortable. We have to do things that are not the norm because yeah. the norm is, is where we are yeah. now and we don't like it. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The yeah, norm it's is not what's working, broken. Right? So like, what's the, we need to do something somewhat different. I think it's the, when we talked about stay interviews is like just listening to that individual, because if it, we also do this a lot at partner of like, I, when I ask for your feedback on what's working or not, like I genuinely want to know what's working or not working. And when people see you institute or do the things that you mentioned or recommended, you have a me- huge buy-in. You're like, yeah, I did that. I'm the reason why we are now sending welcome letters or something like that. So to that's just another thing of like, what do you genuinely need or want and using that information. 
You've mentioned the, the stay interview uh, a couple times now. Can you explain the difference between uh, a stay interview and something like a, a yearly review? Cool. Love this. This has got a good <laughs> IO lens to it. A stay interview, the, the, I guess it's the motivation of those things, of like what, from an individual, if you ask me, if you were, if you guys are like, okay, Heather, we need to talk to you about a stay interview. Like I'm a way more open and excited to talk about things. Whereas I think we've been conditioned to be leery of reviews. We've all had reviews that you're like, where did this information come from? Or you have like one bad month, but you've had a great 11 months and you're, you're reviewed solely on that one month. I will have a TED talk one day on why <laughs> annual reviews are terrible. Um, so that's part of it is like what the information you're looking for. So the sting interview is like, we love you here. You are a valuable part here. How do we make your day here better? Whereas a review is like, this is what you're doing great. This is what you need to work on. Your coworkers said you don't uh, clean up after yourself. You need to do that. So, and that's really like you, it's, that's hard to do something with because they're usually given by a person who maybe doesn't work with you a whole bunch. Their understanding of what you do, how you do it is maybe not the most real, authentic. So the, I think the, our response to those are a little bit more defensive. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, thinking about the stay interviews and, and again, the difference between an annual review, because that makes complete sense to me what you were saying, that the difference between those two. I imagine trying to implement that in a hospital that is trying to change yeah. a culture that is broken. Mm -hmm. There's going to be some resistance. For sure. The, you know, the, those people that are, you know, in an annual review they maybe they don't say really anything or they don't they don't offer any suggestions they don't they're, they're not you know they're not those kind of vocal people yeah there's i imagine it's it's a little bit difficult to to get people to buy into that or or to to be open to that is is that is that true do you is that something you you would expect or you find yeah i agree with that because i think when you i mentioned bandwidth of just like i just don't have it in me i do think it takes it's, I think it takes one person to be that source of positivity. And interestingly, the first, like that is a brave person, but the person who follows that is also very brave to be like, I'm going to break off from this pack and follow this positive person. But that one source of positivity can have this enormous impact of like, just a shout out email. This person got this, you know, handled this really difficult patient or this client was really upset, they totally dis, uh, diffused something, whatever it is, like something that is really, it like acknowledges how hard somebody, some effort somebody made. I think that's one of those things of like, wow, did you see that? That was like genuine. And those little things turn into bigger things, which turn into bigger. And that's, I think, where change can start for sure. Where we're, we acknowledge somebody for something like that instead of they came in when they weren't feeling well or they haven't called in sick ever. Those kind of right. things are not things that we should be applauding, right? But I've seen, right. I've seen like a friend of mine had a, like there was something about like a bingo of something of like came in despite a fever. Yeah. We were like, there's never a way that we should promote that. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, that's, though. Yes. those are the days yes. we need to leave behind. That is 100% the fact. And I've yes. worked in practices um, where they use the the messaging system Slack or, you know, some of those other. Yeah, 
messaging systems and some of them will have like a whole just a whole tab that's just a kudos section so if somebody does something great oh, that that's that. where that goes like i can't tell you how many times i've seen sarah placed her first central line tonight way to go and then everyone like chiming I in that, that wasn't there yeah knowing that that's going to be something great that they can see at any time um and actually promoting like yeah. doing something great in the in the practice yeah, and I bet that person feels so excited that all of these people acknowledge yeah. that. That goes so far. It does. It really does. You know, thinking about you starting this hospital from the ground mm -hmm. up versus a hospital that's, again, trying to make these changes or what have you, I, I can see challenges for, for both. Yeah. For those, I think it's probably more common that, that people are going to want to change, you know, an existing infrastructure what might be different for them? I mean, we talked about the stay interviews and kind of implementing some of that stuff, but are there other things that, that maybe they're, they're going to experience that we haven't touched on yet? That's a good question. It might be difficult with, with them trying to, to int, uh, implement something yeah, like this. Yeah, I wonder if, if you are asking the doctors to maybe like spend some time to acknowledge the team, something like that. I wonder if the, yeah, if the buy-in maybe might depending on who's doing it. I feel like it is, I, at the core, I do think this is leadership's responsibility. Right. And I think that it's something that's fixable. It just requires care and attention. So I think that would be maybe the biggest challenge is that is you're trying to work on starting this small change, but for it to gather momentum, you need buy-in from the whole hospital. So I think that yeah. people yeah. would have to support that who maybe are like, I just want to do the surgery and we just want to get out of here. Like those individuals still have to right. be like, I get it. I know that we need to do that. So right. I think that could maybe be an, an obstacle. But but again, I think that's leaders' responsibility to be like, okay, I need you guys on board for this or there's not going to be anybody to anesthetize your dog to have surgery. Right, right. And I think it's important too for, you know, I think back to my last clinical job at, at Tufts, working with specialists when, when we had a successful outcome, Sometimes it was celebrated, but very rarely it was almost the expectation yeah. or, or if there was a not great outcome, it was a failure instead of, you know, still acknowledging all the hard work that everybody put in that that patient still received exemplary care. It just, it just wasn't going to work out. There's that kind of shift that has to happen too, that it's, yes, I mean, we're here to make our patients feel better, get them well, get them home. But obviously that's not always the case, but it's, it's not a failure when it, when it doesn't go right. that way, there still are hopefully some victories in there that, that can be celebrated. But when we do have those wins, we need to acknowledge our team members. And that, on, honestly, too, needs to be part of us as veterinary technicians, acknowledging the veterinarians, too, like celebrating. You're, uh, that's, that's a very good point. Thank you for saying that, because I definitely think it does go both ways. It, yeah, it needs to go up and like, down the ladder. Yes, 100 percent. You're very, very correct. So you're right. I think that we put a lot of responsibility on our doctors because of the position they're in, but you're right that both roads need to be open for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And in that, like mentioning where the like cases that do well, like what I would, what I like to do there is really think about what are the backgrounds of the, the people who succeeded in that? What are their backgrounds? What are their training? How long have they worked here? And how can I replicate that across the other teams? So if you're like, this is the superstar team, but like, what exactly is it? Where did they go to school? What are they focused on? What are their interests? What do they avoid? And then how do I make like the influence or kind of like seep that into other teams mm. to kind of make that be 
like scalable. Yeah, it's I guess. interesting you mentioned that because you know we all we often think like the techs aren't getting celebrated, but if we aren't getting celebrated, then the vets probably aren't getting celebrated either. I think there's like this inherent expectation that they're always going to do right. They're always going to do what's best. Yes. But that's that's yeah. an excellent point that we're. You know, if we want, if, mm-hmm. if we want the recognition, we also have to give the recognition. You're totally right. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I very much agree with that for sure. So, how close are your hospitals now to being open and actually running this out there? The Frederick location is a a building that exists already, okay. so we just have to put the insides together. And the Richmond one is needs to be built from the ground up. Gotcha. So, I think it would be. This is just I'm thinking of having zero other experience <laughs> of building this i feel like it would easily be like end of first quarter next year gotcha also realizing mm-hmm. the um the supply chains for stuff yeah. so i really wonder how yeah. if that is going to influence the opening date because there's no kennels how do you do you know there's going to be some limitations yeah absolutely and you know thinking about getting employees for this kind of hospital, CSRs, assistance technicians, veterinarians. Yeah. There's got to be maybe qualities you look for or questions that you ask in the interview process. There's got to be something that, that says, this is the kind of person that I'm looking yes. for for this team. Can you give us a little insight there? Yeah, way more IO stuff. Yeah, so selection methods. I had a whole class selection, selection methods. methods. I love it. <laughs> And I can tell you statistically what selection method will predict performance in a certain role, which is just so, it's just so nuts that somebody has done this level of research, but also this level of statistics, like regression analysis on this versus this predicts this. So, but in there though, it's really helpful of like, you're right. What individual do we want in this role? So when I mentioned the teams that are really high performing, what's their backgrounds, and then maybe I can select and recruit from those backgrounds. Interestingly, there's a podcast called, I think it's called like the Blurred, the like something about the Blurred Line, and it's about the Navy SEALs and how they have a hard time recruiting for Navy SEALs. And an organizational psychologist, obviously, was like, what's the background though? And they found that Navy SEALs have kind of a record, maybe they've been arrested a few times, They were in juvenile hall and so like directed methods to like that as a background instead of like, um, I'm going to go to this college or university and see if these individuals want to be Navy SEALs. So some of it's that of like, who are my high performing people in this role? Where do they come from and what do they do? And we're also open to like, we have a dire statement, which is diversity, inclusion, respect and equity. And so we make sure that we hold ourselves accountable to that. So a little bit of that is like, let's recruit and look in places where we don't traditionally look. Anyway, so recruiting can look a lot of different ways, but the questions we ask are now specific to how do I want somebody to respond or how do I want them to handle themselves in a situation? So a lot of our, most of our questions are about communication, conflict management, on your worst day, what are you like? And a lot of like, give me an example of a time that you were able to institute change in your practice what did it look like what did you how did you do it and like miscommunications are inevitable what does it look like when you when that happened with a client with a doctor a peer how do you respond to that and the thing that's great and we do structured interviews everybody should do structured interviews because then you can see i've had 17 people apply for this job 12 were unsuccessful um, these five are great. Where are the commonalities between these five people? 
So now I need to like, and now it's a lot easier to see who's going to perform well or because they mm. all answer about the same way. So it's a way that we can predict performance. There are no rules that we have where it's like, tell me how you would place mm. a catheter. You know, it's not, it's all based on like soft skills. I don't even know how I'd explain it. How would I place a catheter? <laughs> Just going back to industrial and organizational psychology, uh, one question that I have, like when you when you got in there, did you explain to them what what is going on in vet med, and they just kind of scratched their head and say, "Wow, how do we how do we tackle this?" Or or is that built into the model? Are, are we are we an an anomaly, or are we like a a complete outlier where we have an entirely different set of instances and scenarios that aren't really common in other types of industries? That's a really great question. And you're right in that we were, I'm absolutely, I think VetMed is absolutely this weird outlier of what our norms are, how we practice, how we take care of each other. Um, and obviously a lot of similarities to human medicine, but in my cohort and in their backgrounds, the stuff that I would talk about and the problems that we have, they were like, no one, I don't even know, like, what do yeah. you mean? Yeah. And in the research that my research partner and I did, we studied like the amount of turnover outside of vet med is like 8%. And there's a formula to calculate turnover that I can't remember. But inside vet med, it's like, it's like four times higher than that. Wow. And in one of the practices I worked, it was like 300%. So it's oh just like, yeah, meaning like the, I can't, again, I can look up the formula if you need it, but it's like the number of uh, roles you have at the beginning of the year how many are empty at the end of the year? Like how many people came through in that space? Um, yeah. So one was like 300% wow, wow, turnover. Wow. Right. Which I think is probably not too yeah. uncommon. Uh, like in some of those practices, some of the big practices. I mean, uh, me, I work relief now and, you know, I, I, I've been in some of these practices for over a year, uh, just going in and mm -hmm. out. And there, there are times where, you know, if I haven't been there for a couple months, I'll go in there and I'm like, this is a whole new team of people where there's oh, not wow. even like, there's maybe like three or four people that I, that I remember from before. But I mean, for the most part, it, there's, there's so much turnover. And I don't know if that's a ER specific problem, if that's a GP specific problem. Um, but it, it's just, it's just nuts how, how common it is to go yeah. into one of these practices that I work in and seeing a whole new set of people. Yes. Yeah, I wonder if like, and then the three or four people that you recognize where they probably knew the last time. So it's not like they've yeah, been yeah. there for a while, I mean, there's right? A, there's a few yeah. that have been there for long term, but I mean, for the most part, it's it's a lot of newbies that you're just like, oh, okay. Wow, I hope they do okay. Yeah, yeah. So as, as we're getting towards our hour here, is there anything that we haven't touched on today that, that you want to get out to our listeners, to our caffeinators? I think that this these are fixable are like manageable problems mm -hmm. that can that have actual solutions. I think that again, I think it's leadership's responsibility to sort of start this change. And I think another thing, in addition to just those like small things we talked about, um, listening to your team is another thing. I think I'd want to promote. Like as an example, I had a, a friend who they got an email from their big boss that they're not allowed to have any overtime. And everyone's great because oh, nobody wants to obviously work a lot of overtime, but they also simultaneously were told that they cannot say no to any emergencies. So you can see immediately how incongruent that is. So like, those are an example of like, if you tell, if that boss was like, listen, here's where we're at. I need to, if the team isn't able to have overtime, then we have to draw the line here. 
right? And I think if the team knows that kind of stuff, the immediate equity that leader would have from the team is pretty great to know that this person has my back. So those kind of things, I think, is another thing to acknowledge. Hmm. Absolutely. One question we always like to ask our guests, because I think this always leads to some really fascinating interviews that, that we would never think of, is there, like this topic is something Dave and I would have never come up with had you not brought it to cool. us. Mm-hmm. Is there a topic or a person in our industry that you think we should talk to uh, or, or talk about? I have two. Oh, awesome. Okay. One, I would love to talk to you guys more about lateral violence in vet med, Ooh. because I think that's another thing that is really, that's another endemic problem, lateral and vertical violence. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just bullying and hazing. And then part two, I think there's, I have two individuals that I think you guys would have an amazing conversation with. And it's my friend Robin Post and my other friend Melina Stambolis. And they work in California in separate hospitals, but they both work in environments where they do a lot of community care. My friend Robin works for a nonprofit and Melina works in a shelter, but they are able to bring the highest quality of medicine and standards into these practices. And my friend Robin, who works again, this like nonprofit, it's a spay neuter group, but it's honestly like a super high functioning specialty service. Um, but they're the first and only fear-free certified spay neuter oh, group oh, wow. like in the world, which I think is like incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And then my friend Melina has like a shelter medicine, but is able to bring the quality of care and the standards of care of like how you treat each other and how you treat your animals, even though they're, they don't have owners, but that doesn't mean that they don't deserve the highest yeah. quality of care. And in that, another part of that is because they have this wonder, these wonderful standards their teams around them are totally dedicated to what they're doing and how they're doing it. Awesome. So like, they're just people that you want to work with. Yeah. Like I've told both of them, like I would go to war with those people. Like we used to do, have you guys heard of RAVs? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So I know them from RAVs and I, they're like, when I say we've gone to war, we essentially have like in various gymnasiums in 300 degree heat. Wow. Yeah. They're just the, there's the people you want to surround yeah. yourself yeah, with. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've absolutely. always, yeah. you know, since we started this, that was one of the things that, that has kept popping up of like, oh, we need someone in shelter, shelter medicine that we can, we can shelter community yeah. medicine. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we just haven't gotten around to, to getting to it. Yeah. Okay. Can I give you their contact info? Yes, please. Oh, definitely. Yes. Oh, yeah. awesome. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Cool. All right. Heather, your last question is your would you rather question. Are you ready <laughs> cool. for it? I'm so ready. I'm excited for it. Okay. Would you rather ride on a T-Rex or fly on a pterodactyl? Is there contextual questions I can have clarified? You can ask questions. Is there... um, Sure. Okay. Do I have support in the form of like a harness? Do I have like personal... Like am I... Do I have a helmet on? I'm going to guess if you're in... Oh, yeah. I don't don't think... I think if you're in in, like the Jurassic period, I I don't think helmets were invented back then. (laughs) Okay. So I'm on on your own. the back of either of these animals. Okay. Oh wow, Dave's gonna Dave's gonna make it a lot harder than I was. <laughs> I I think you just have to you just ha- you just have to hold on. Okay, okay, okay. Um, do I get to have a say in like how high the pterodactyl is going? Is there a distance? Mm. No, I don't think I don't think you have any control of that. <laughs> okay, got gotcha. it. Okay, so I think I would. I think I'm gonna fly on the pterodactyl because if it is the Jurassic period, and assuming I'm able to survive there i think i want to see as yeah, possible and i guess i, I like do that it on the back of I the like pterodactyl it. and i think my risk for death 
by being eaten by my vehicle is mm. lower yeah. on a pterodactyl than riding on a yeah because yeah. if you fall off a t-rex they uh, well were they herbivores i don't i don't know no no t-rexes were huge meat eaters Oh it's yeah, Jurassic right. Park yeah. Yes, yes, okay. yes, yes, okay. yes, 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 huge carnivore. Yeah, so, you, so you're more likely to get eaten if you fall off a T-Rex than you are a pterodactyl. Yeah, because I think it's just going to pick you up off the ground and eat you. But if you okay. fall off a pterodactyl, so what... you're probably dead when you hit the ground. That's true. It would be a less painful death. And then death. you wouldn't yes. know. That... <laughs> then, yeah, then it's like, hey, it's off. I don't have to worry about that. Yes. Okay. I love it. <laughs> love it oh well heather thank you so much for taking some time out to talk to thank us you I, so I, much. literally we could talk about this for hours and, yes, and i think this honestly Same. probably should be a, a, uh, a discussion we have further down the road to just kind of revisit it and build on it because it's fascinating and, and it's really so useful and needed in in our industry so thank you very much for your time we really appreciate it thank you very much thanks for the opportunity to Absolutely. talk about all this stuff it's so um it's just so exciting to be able to to say these things that are that yeah just to normalize this the conversation around how we can yeah. keep our people happy and love intact it, love it. absolutely well caffeinators thanks again for tuning into another episode of the vet tech cafe we hope you guys are well and uh, thank you again heather and we'll talk to you guys again soon bye bye guys Hello, caffeinators. We wanted to thank Dog Days Consulting for managing our social media and helping with the interior design here at the Vet Tech Cafe. They don't just do social media. They can help you identify your brand through brand coaching. The founder is a CVPM with 15 years experience in veterinary practice management. They are a small business proudly serving the veterinary community, and we are thrilled to be working with them. Check them out at www.dogdaysconsulting.com. Hey, caffeinators! We would like to thank you for listening to the Vet Tech Cafe podcast today. As everybody is well aware by now, we often talk about difficult issues that face our profession. In addition, we chat with colleagues and leaders in our field who have strong opinions of these issues. Those opinions expressed by either Dave or Jeff as the hosts, or those opinions expressed by our guests, are their opinions alone and do not represent any other person, business, institution, or any other entity inside or outside of the scope of veterinary medicine. If you have any questions relating to this, please email us at vettechcafe at gmail.com or visit our website, www.vettechcafe.com. Lastly, whatever platform you utilize to hear our dulcet tones, please rate and review our podcast and like and follow our Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn pages as well to see what we're up to. From all of us at the Vet Tech Cafe, have yourself a great day.